Luke came in as a rookie driving a 2008 GMC Denali. Yeah. He always wanted a Porsche, right? That was his favorite car. He always wanted a Porsche. And he told himself, finally, after being in the league all of those years and making all this money and all the money Luke made off the field, we know that if we won the Super Bowl, he was going to buy the Porsche. And I wanted to win the Super Bowl so bad to see him buy this Porsche to see if he was really going to follow through with it. Happy Tuesday. The ship is free. Henderson, Nevada. Hello! Henderson, Nevada, the home of um, my younger brother, Howie Long, friend of the program. Vital part of the program. One time he called in with a hot tip about Arby's, and that led to some really good content. Good on you for saying Nevada. A lot of people say it incorrectly. Some people say Nevada, huh? They do. Those who live in Nevada, they say Nevada, like... Mama calls him Brent. I'm going to call him Brent. Mm -hmm. It's Nevada. You know, we have some listeners in Las Vegas, I would venture to guess. Actually, Henderson is a suburb of Las Vegas. Yeah, I've got mixed feelings about Las Vegas. We don't have to talk about it right this second. We're on to the... We had a rough day yesterday, is what he means to say. As a team, we're on to the Masters. Yeah? Yeah. Get there. He's going to like that. He's going to try to put it on the carpet here. Bogey. Get up there. Double bogey. Oh, he duffed it. Mm, Triple bogey. Look, there's a bunch of guys drinking, acting like they're having a business meeting. I don't know how their wives fall for it. Not to snitch on every dude that golfs. I'm sorry, I'm going to snitch on you guys for a second. You're, you're not having a bit. You could have a business meeting inside. I don't get to say like, like, I don't know, what do I like to do? I got to have a business meeting in Las Vegas at a sports book. It's the only place we could get together. I want to have a business meeting at Miller's at the bar. I can't say that. But if you take that show on the road and you drink outside with a bunch of people in corporate America, you can, you can excuse that away to your lovely wife. It is wild. Isn't it? But you have a captive audience for about four hours. Vitamin D. It's under the guise of exercise. Right. It's really a walk. But unless you're playing good partner golf, you're not doing a whole lot of talking outside of the tee box and perhaps the green. How much business is actually being conducted? Well, you know where I can't get away with conducting business in a sports book. And that's what I meant to talk about. I know you said we wouldn't talk about it, but let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Okay. I was really high on the high on the hog, the Arkansas Razorbacks. And you said, hey, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? You have access to generic gambling 
website right. we, we don't we, app. we don't want to say which one because um because like of free agency and everything that's fair i mean to say you hit me up to broker maybe the fifth bet in the last seven days and you were on a heater you started you, your career off great you were the broker arkansas covered against texas tech i then felt really good about oregon state against loyola that worked out as well and so i'm up two units yeah that's great. Yeah, you're thinking this is what it's going to be. You're the rookie that went to the Super Bowl first year. And it's not like I was I was on a high, but yeah. it was sort of it was there was a buzz in the back of my head there for several days. Mhm. You know, free chickens. You just had like disposable chickens. Well, like the $5 latte. No problem. No problem. Delivery instead of something and, I could pick up. And you can tip well, too. You betcha. For the first time. The kids pediatrician visit let's pay for it splurge let's pay it why not thank you creighton and then it falls off the rails in part in large part due to a text message miscommunication text message miscommunication classic one where there's a quick transition between subjects and so i asked yeah would an fsu bama money line parlay make some sense i'm addicted to winning that's what I said. Yeah. You said, let me see. Mm -hmm. Okay, right before that, I had said, what number do you have for Bama? Mm -hmm. So they're all mixed together. You said minus 6.5 for Bama. And that's when I said, can I put one unit on that bad boy? That's all I will bother you for. And you thought I meant... Suffice to say, I put the parlay in. And... The parlay didn't go well. And I can influence the outcomes of games. And the entire time, I'm rooting for Michigan because one, I like Michigan. Yeah. Two, I don't like Florida State. Well, golly, it would have been great to tell me because as you know, this time of year, you're my shaman a little bit. And so I'm like, oh, I'll tell you. It's been going good. I should have just said like, no matter what, I'm not, I'm not tailing you today. You've been too hot. But I said, I'll tail him. Seems to have legitimate knowledge. He knows when to zag, that type of thing. Watches a lot of hoop rock. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go big on Florida State. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> I just put in an accidental Florida State bed. And I'm patting myself on the back for staying away from Florida State. And with 10 minutes left, you text me, are we effed? And I'm like, Bama hasn't tipped. We don't look I at, think we're okay. We don't look at F from where I sit. I mean, yeah. they're playing UCLA, who you say is bad. And then UCLA is bad. Okay. And then about, <laughs> I, are we effed? I'm like, huh. And then five seconds later, I'm like, oh no oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So listen then i have to start rooting for fsu so we're both losing money and it's an ugly scene because this was the type of thing where i feel like i'm your gambling dad and i got beat up in front of you and like you were also getting beat up it was like that situation where we're both tied up we're both getting beat up it's just a and you got to watch your dad taking it on the chin too. Well, right. I'm your gambling son and I've disappointed you. You've I've, disappointed me and you're, 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 all of a sudden you're just not like your, your batting average went down after you, you, you got out of Little League. You stopped growing. You're like, oh, I still love my son, but he's just not the baseball player he was. And then with that L, the Vegas gods smelled the desperation on us and caused UCLA to beat a very fun and exciting Alabama Crimson Tide team. I just want to say this, that cat that hit the dagger three against the Tide last night with the headband and looks like he's in a 90s alternative band like they, you know. Yaquez. Oh my God, who still wears that ensemble of facial hair? 
and he makes it look cool. Looks makes it look cool as fuck. He was he was an omission from the All Vibes team. Maybe he heard that. Maybe that's why. Like I was openly tweeting about Bama money line. Like let's do this. My co-host who can't miss tells me UCLA sucks. I mean, it was just we were both just getting the reality of gambling. Bama's best player got called for two charges in the first forty-one seconds. I mean, it was it was absurd. And then, all right, we can talk about no, it later, no, no. Let's talk about you it. Hit let's the talk three let's to talk go to it. overtime, They're and I'm like, boom, right back in it. <sighs> teams can run away from teams in overtime, and that's what happened. But it was UCLA. It's that country ass basketball, dude. That I told you that. You want to play a pickup game out back? You see my script day. People were saying, don't make fun of the script day. We know how to play basketball down here. Well, maybe you need to be like the kids in Indiana and fucking shoot free throws. 11-25. Into a crate fashion to a backboard. I never know why in Indiana they don't have the backboard and the rim. They always have to put like a crate in the movies. Blue chips. Down in the bayou, they don't fucking shoot free throws. People are just running and gunning. 11 to 25. I mean, that's that's nearly unheard of. You got to go back to Kansas going, I think, 12 for 30 in that national title. Too much game weight room Syracuse. down there in the SEC. A lot like football. Too much weight room. Tight muscles, you know, can't shoot free throws. The minute I start, what'd they go shooting you just said? 11 for 25? 44%. Okay. I'm going to go out on a basketball court tomorrow. I'm going to shoot 25 free throws. Can I join you? Yeah, let's shoot 50 I've got between a, the two of us. I've got a torn labrum. I'll hit 17 easy. And hey, listen, we're not doing the thing where we're piling on amateurs. It just is what it is. It's not the kid's fault that down in Alabama, they're not working on the fundamentals. They're just lifting weights, watching football, and they run and gun. It stinks because they were fun. They were a fun team, had a lot of pieces. You see, you they see were the fun. They were fun, dude. That I, sucks. I mean, and, and listen, I felt for the kid who missed those last two free throws so much, dude. Yeah, but redemption with the three at the buzzer. Absolutely. So they had a, absolutely. They were right back in it. And I was watching him jogging down the court from the end line view, and just his celebration was such a relief celebration. It wasn't, it was like the tight fist into the body. You know, if you hit that shot, you get that thing where you black out. Or if you just saw your buddy hit that, but he was just like, please save me, save me. And I'm glad he got saved because I hate that for any kid. I don't have the constitution to gamble. This is my retirement from gambling. Lifetime up one total unit. Went up two, back down one, net one positive. I will leave. I eat a cookie every night for dessert. Ruined my cookie. You're Chris Borland. You're the Chris Borland of gambling. Yes. Do you know who that is? You get the reference? Niners. Niners. Like was Peace. tremendous young player said, This shit's dangerous. I'm out. Shout out to Chris Borland. You're Chris Borland of gambling. And I'm like a guy that just you know, I'm 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 YA tittle without the greatness and I'm in the end zone with blood on my face, on my knees. And I couldn't enjoy arguably the best game of the tournament, Alabama UCLA, because I was sweating exactly and that's the reality of gambling and you know uh on top of that then what you do is and listen anybody out there who's listening to this tape uh like they're reviewing free agent uh breakdowns i'm still gonna gamble my money away and talk about how great it is i will still provide the stimulation to feed the product what i did is i continue to pour it on oregon yeah <laughs> there's quite a zag 
Trojans beat them by 14 in the regular season. I know, but I just figured, you know, things change. Things things can certainly change. And they did. Both teams scored exactly 10 more points. <laughs> so there was that. But, you know, like last night, I, I, I said to myself, um, this is a good day for my gambling son, Macon, and I'm glad you got out. Thanks. We might be bearing the lead here. You as the broker, I think you are letting me off the hook on, on the miscommunication. The, on the snafu. Absolutely. I was going to be like, uh, you want to give me a Chris Long discount today? <laughs> yeah, my dad's sitting there with me. He has no idea that I have money on, because he just thinks, he doesn't understand gambling. When he hears gambling, he thinks like, you know, uncut gems. I'm, I'm the guy in uncut gems. Like, I'm locked in. I'm locking guys in. What else did he do in there? He, like, Kevin Garnett, a rock, like all that stuff. You haven't seen the movie. That's right. It's a hectic movie. And so when my dad hears about, like he's thinking about bookies breaking people's kneecaps or like people losing all their money. You know, I want to gamble a couple bucks on uh, the Sweet 16. He doesn't know that I have money on Bama. Um, and he's just sitting there every shot UCLA hits. Wow. Wow. You seeing this? Wow. It's impossible for me to get mad at my dad. He's like the, the best person in the world, but he was, he was testing. He's a friend of the program. He listens to Bob. Uh, so dad, I'm so, I did have money on Bama. That's maybe why I was stressed out. The bopper, really? He is a bopper. He's the ultimate bopper. Um, he also asked, how much money do you think gamblers lose uh, every March Madness nationwide? I was like, dad, just Google it, man. I'm focused on losing the money that I'm losing here. It's about me. Um, so yeah, congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. Feels good. Now, if, um, some fantastic betting app entity wants to swoop in and sponsor this year podcast, I can be bought with a little, For a little bit. Yeah. Here's a unit to play with. All right. Maybe see, I think, it. I think it's pretty entertaining to see you play with units. <laughs> <laughs> we are onto the masters though, when it comes to, at least for me, gambling. Oh. No, I'm going to definitely bet the games tonight. Full disclosure, last as you're night. listening to this pod, uh, yeah, your yesterday, well, our, your, your last night, our tonight, uh, there are two games. Yeah, they tip off at 7.15 Eastern and 9.57 Eastern, which might as well be three in the morning. I will be, I'll be gambling again. Almost forgot layup line. What was it today? Ali Boumaye. Oh, that was the name of the song. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. By uh, Two Chains, The Game, and Rick Ross. And Two Chains, just so you know, so you can use this at like dinner parties and stuff. His old uh, rap name was Titty Boy. <laughs> B O I, which is my favorite part of that entire name. Uh, and Two Chains has, who, by the way, whose verse was the best out of those three? Rick Ross. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Titty Boy. Um, I love that song. It's a vulgar song, but I like the song. All right, so yeah, I'm. we're on to the Masters for real, and I am going to watch uh, the Masters this year. That golf course is, makes me feel funny. Like I would, I would do bad things to that golf course. All pass. You know, some husbands have a hall pass. That ma the Masters might be my hall pass. Say more. I don't know anything about the event, but that 
that golf course is gorgeous on it's, TV. It's pretty. It's yeah. arousing, is what I'm saying. I wonder if they spray paint that green. I would. That would really hurt. That would really hurt. But you know, like behind the scenes, you hear about like how they make pornos. It's kind of maybe the same thing. Um, what are those azaleas? <laughs> I think the azaleas look legitimate. I hope the azaleas are legitimate. I mean, the course just it's. It, you walk you walk by my house a lot. Yeah. A lot of uh you spray paint your grass? Nah. I got fifty shades of green in that grass. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> <laughs> and some mud. If I'm being honest, there's some mud. I'm just saying the course looks beautiful. Maybe we can have BJ staying on <laughs> in the in the aftermath of that golf uh tournament, whatever you want to call it. I don't know shit about golf. This year I really am gonna sit and watch golf. And it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a gateway drug to free day drinking events for your boy. And at some point, I'm going to say this, this was the turning point in my social life. Hall pass in more than one way, uh, Masters. Um, also, baseball content Friday. Quick look ahead here. I'm going to pick a team. I've been procrastinating for better part of two or three years. Uh, we're going to have a really cool professional baseball player on. Um, former professional baseball player on great player you're gonna know exactly who he is that guy's gonna help us pick your boy's favorite team do you have a favorite team i keep forgetting no do you want to pick one too sure fuck yeah dude sure let's do it i can tell you well i guess i'll save it mine's gonna be majorly logo based okay we're gonna do a whole thing where we 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 figure out a formula for how we're gonna pick our favorite team and then uh, more than moderately famous baseball player, very very famous baseball player comes on to join this moderately successful podcast and helps us uh, through the finish line. By the way, already Orioles, they're showing like, I want to make sure it's not Arby's energy. You know what I mean? But they are showing your boys some love. They are, I don't want to be mean. They seem thirsty. A fellow in the mention said, uh, I wish they went after baseball players as hard as they're going after that this was, retired I saw the same player. thing. Listen, I know the Orioles have a checkered pass when it comes to winning. <laughs> That's polite. Okay. Um, but I hear they played John Denver. Just learned that today. Yeah. You see your face. Did you know that? Hey. You're like, damn, I'm thinking about the Orioles. Did you no, 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 no. I was, if if I'm a part of this, yeah. Orioles are way up there. Oh, good, good, good. Think about it. We can take our kids to those games. Right. Camden Yards is beautiful. I used to always pick Camden Yards in the baseball video games when you could like select whatever field. The warehouse. You never picked the stadium in like Detroit. The logo. Yeah. Um, also, they made me a sloth meme, dude. They made me a sloth meme. Did you see that? I did. Unfortunately, it was sloth one of your head, headshots where you had a zit I had on a your zit. forehead. I had a did zit you on my see forehead. That? It was in training camp. It's the worst. You know your, your, your headshots are coming one day, and you, you wake up the night before, along with like back spasms, the, the risks of CTE, uh, sleeplessness, the pressures of, of getting cut. Um, you're like, fuck, I had a pimple, and that's going to be the, the way people know me. I could end up on Jimmy Fallon where they make fun of your face and you got a pimple. And I never get pimples, to my credit. We've talked about it. I got great skin. I do. I do often in advance of photo shoots. It was that stupid thing inside the helmet, the helmet, the inside of the helmet, that just 
presses up against your cranium all day, sweat, you know, Missouri heat, whatever else it is going on, Gatorade coming out of your pores. You drink 12 Gatorades a day. Your body doesn't know what to do with all that potassium and sugar and garbage, to be honest. It stores it in little red bubbles on your forehead. Pretty much. And then embarrasses you. Totally embarrasses you. I didn't even notice it, so don't don't feel bad. Yeah, you noticed it right away. It was the first thing you mentioned about that meme, not the fact that they actually made me a sloth meme. And it's probably the reason I didn't retweet the meme. <laughs> like, listen, I'm all for like posting ugly pictures of myself, but I, you know, like I just when you look really ugly, it's like, why would you? You should get you should stick a little Oreo logo on the zit and oh, then retweet good. it. Let's do that. Now, those are the positives. The negatives, one time I went to Camden Yards uh, in a Volvo station wagon, I believe it was, with a friend of mine in grade school. And uh, it's a three-hour drive. Fucking that Volvo, probably three and a half hours. And uh, your boy has small bladder, mm. okay? Had to pee once around Rutgersville, probably. Wow, early. Was, yeah, I had to early. pee early. Well, I was a kid, you know? You didn't go before you left the house? I think I probably did, but I had a small bladder. Wow, if I'm the driver of said station wagon, I'm worried about what's to come. If, if you're, you're a grown man, yeah, well, if you're a grown man, driver of the, I mean, really? You're taking yeah. kids to a baseball game, kids pee. 30 minutes out it's into like being three mad hours? At, it's like being mad at a puppy. I would never do that. Mm. I would never be mad at a puppy for keeping me and my family awake all hours of the night and afflicting me and my lovely wife with sleeplessness and chewing up my children's shirts and attacking them like a police dog in a training situation where they have that like fucking stay puff marshmallow man suit on and they run away and they just the you know like the, i would never be mad at a puppy wouldn't be you couldn't be not you. me i not especially because i put it in a fence and invested in this puppy and i would never be mad at a puppy but like yeah this guy this dad driving the fucking thing who shout out to redacted i love the guy but at this point, and I don't blame him, maybe, as I'm talking it out, he was not real happy with me because when I asked the second time to go pee around um, the rest area in Maryland. Gainesville. No, I, I lasted like two and a half hours. He refused to pull over. Good for him. <laughs> but yeah, like if I can get over that, if the Orioles can... Orioles. I'll con I will really consider this now. If you send down like a Sprinter van with a bathroom and like a little place that you know when if you ever got to ride in a limo in the 90s they had the fucking like you went to the right birthday party or something you know what i mean know the right kid at school uh they got the the, the ice and shit they have a cooler they have neon lights and all that stuff they have it's an amazing concept a limousine but it's kind of out these days right the orioles you could send out a limo what i mean to say is probably cheap uh, to send me one and just like stick a bathroom in there or grab one with a bathroom. If I can do that and come up and have a do-over at Camden Yards, you guys probably go right to the front of the list. Okay? Um, <laughs> this shit works sometimes. Mina Kimes guilted Spindrift into giving her a deal. If I was Spindrift, I would have given her a deal day one. When free agency comes around, I would I would definitely hold this over their heads if I was Mina Kimes. I'd be like, remember the first time it took you like months of DMing and she was DMing Spindrift for months before you believed that I was the right one for the job. This could happen with the Orioles for me. Humble, humble beginnings for your boy as an Orioles fan. Fantasy world, we'll find out Friday. Also the Phillies, shout out to the Phillies. 
They're making me a PowerPoint. Did you see that? I did see that. People still do uh, PowerPoints. I think people who don't have or know Photoshop still utilize PowerPoint. I speak from experience. Well, I think they might have been fucking around. But I'm expecting a PowerPoint because if you don't make me a PowerPoint, I'd probably take you off the list and I really wanted the Phillies to be in my, I'm just my top five. You've got three days, Phillies. We need to get hats, high school commitment thing. Yeah, read, order an entire lid <laughs> store. All their inventory. Another team has entered the chat. I'm tweeting it. Cardinals have entered the chat. What should I say, Macon? Instead, it's they they got a picture of me throwing out the first pitch. That's hard to beat. That's cool that you did that, but you should say nah because I can't be bought. This is an honest process. Blue Bloods have entered the chat, and Cardinals fans eat that shit up. Oh, Cardinals fans love to tell you how good the Cardinals are, and a lot of them are my friends. All right, so. You like Thomas Davis. Who doesn't like Thomas Davis? Man, when he was drafted, that's a guy you eyeball. You say, I want him for my club. George Bulldog. I got him for my club. I was a Panthers fan. Remember that back in the day? Face paint level. Yeah. I know you're fond of saying it. Probably a bigger fan than you were of the Giants. Is that right? I would guarantee you that. Okay. Uh, I don't even think, did you own Sunday Ticket? I've never. Did you paint your face at a Giants game? Um, no, but I own a, an unreasonable amount of jerseys. You want to hear some of them? Yeah, sure. Tiki, Eli, Eli Pro Bowl, OC, Strahan, Plexico, LT. What? Do you hang out outside like hotels and get autographs? Dude, I was in, this is probably like a, like a college binge where I thought it was cool to have NFL jerseys. Oh, you had a big co- like college age binge Yeah, about jerseys? Yeah. Like you'd, you'd open my closet doors in the dorm and it would just be like polo shirts and New York Giants football jerseys. It was disgusting. You did have a good sense of fashion. So did I in college. Um, yeah, so you like Thomas Davis. Uh, who doesn't? He's, uh, he's going to be joining us in a second here um, to talk about retirement and uh, Cam Newton and all types of stuff. C-Mac. Can I name you some guys from the 2005 NFL draft? Yeah. First rounders. Alex Smith, one overall. Braylon Edwards, three. Ooh. Pac-Man Jones, six. I hadn't heard the Braylon Edwards uh, name in a while. Swagoo was in that draft. That's right. Yeah. Sean Merriman, 12. Lights out. Thomas Davis of 14. Heath Miller made a lot of money blocking uh, Sean Merriman. In that draft, 30th overall to the Steelers. Big money, Heath Miller. And that had a lot to do with that game where he just, I mean, Sean Merriman was a bad mofo in college and in the pros, but um, it was, he was a scary guy when he came into town. And I just remember that big matchup and Heath got after him in the run game. And Aaron Rodgers at 24, a guy you call A-Rod. Yep, I mean, he's pretty good. And yes, he is the real A-Rod. So, Thomas Davis. 
All right, as promised, Thomas Davis played about 30 years. I loved watching him play. I, I, he always made me feel bad about any time I was sore in the morning at 32, 33, I would think about how does Thomas Davis feel right now? Thomas Davis, how do you feel right now in retirement? Man, I feel good, man. I'm just um, trying to get everything ironed out. I just left from getting the MRI, getting my knee checked out, making sure that everything is good there. Um, and just fully getting acclimated to this entire life. It was funny because like on the way back from NFL Honors, our wives and us sat on the bus next to each other and I was like, what are you doing, man? You gonna play, you gonna play another year? Like, what's what's making you tick right now? Um, why one more? Why'd you do one more? You know, just, you know, <clears throat> I had an opportunity to reconnect with Coach Rivera and um, I know it was really important for him to be able to have a guy on that roster that really understood the way he wanted things done um, and try to help him implement his system into the Washington football team. And, you know, I just wanted to go out there and help him and be a part of that. And, you know, they had a great defense already set up. So I just wanted to really work with those guys and, and just kind of show them some of the things that, you know, we learned along the way that were beneficial and that helped us. You had 112 tackles and in uh, LA um, at 36 years old. So you got nothing left to prove, but is part of you ever like, man, I love being kind of a player coach, a guy who's here to help out and bring young guys along, but damn, I wish I could play, like play more. Man, it, bro, it was, it was extremely tough to not be able to go out there and compete every down, to not be able to go out there and compete every game, you know, having games where, you know, I was a healthy scratch, man. It was, it was extremely tough, but no bitterness. It was just all about helping out as much as I could, like I said. What was the toughest moment, like the the toughest healthy scratch, like a game you were like, dude, I want to play in this game, dude? And without a doubt, it was the Carolina game. Yeah. The Carolina game. You know, when you see the, the schedule and you know that you have an opportunity to play against a team that means so much to you and – for it to have been my 200th game, that would have been the 200th game that, that I got to play in had I played in that game. And for it to be the Carolina Panthers, I mean, everything just lined up. I mean, God just set that path complete um, for that matchup to happen. And when I didn't get that opportunity, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you that I wasn't hurt. How did you deal with that? Because, like, you and Ron are tight, right? Like, you love Ron. You've been yes. through everything with Ron, and Ron's been through everything with you, and he had to – was he the one that told you, like, TD, you can't play this week? Ultimately, you know, it's, it's Coach Rivera that's going to be the one to tell you, but he's not the one that, that's ultimately making that decision. Right. And I understand it, man. That's, that's the business side of this game, and, you know, that's how it goes. They have, they have some young talent that they wanted to see in that situation and see them play, and, you know, I get it. You know, I've been around the game long enough to know how this thing goes, man, but – it still doesn't take away the emotional side of it. You know, for us as players, you know, you still we still have feelings. We still have that want to and that drive to be a part of any and everything that's going on with our particular team. And um, to not be able to, to just have that moment, man, is, is something that um, that's going to stick with me for a long time. But, you know, I, I understood it. You're such a rare player because you're a great player, but you're a great leader. Not every great player is a great leader. We know that from playing with guys. Um, I... What is leadership to you? Because everybody's got a different style, you know, and 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 I, I guess I wonder if you had to boil it down and explain it, which we very, very few times we have to explain it to somebody in the locker room, what is leadership? They just know what it looks like. What is leadership as an NFL veteran? 
So, you know, that there are different ways that I've seen guys lead, right? So when I came into the NFL, there were a ton of veteran guys that really showed me the way. You know, they kind of took me under their wing. And I feel like that's a form of leadership. You, you see a young guy struggling or you see a young guy coming in that don't fully understand how the NFL works. You take them under your wing and you show them how things are done. You know, that's a form of leadership. Um, there are certain times when things just aren't going according to plan. Mm -hmm. You have to have a leader that's not afraid, um, that's not that's not timid or shy about stepping up and telling guys things that needs to, that need to be heard, whether mm -hmm. they want to hear it or not. Like, you, if you're a true leader. You're going to do that. And regardless of who that player is, I don't care if it's the the guy that's on your team that's won six Super Bowl rings. If he's not performing at the level that is expected or that um, you're accustomed to as a team, then you got to be able to be that person to step up. If you're a true leader to tell them, hey, we need you to play better. Yeah. Uh, we need you to step up and we need you to be here. And whatever the situation is, for this team. And I think I've always been that guy on the teams that I've been on um, as the years gone on. And it was simply because I had older guys show me the way, you know, I had the Mike Menners, I had the um, Mike Ruckers and Jake DeLong, Steve Smith, Julius Peppers. Those were the guys on my team when I came into the league. So I had a ton of guys to really show me the way. Any player that played more than 10 years in the league had players that played more than 10 years in the league helping them along the way at some point. And I think yep. that's one of the big worries now about the, the game where it's going. You know, like veterans are trying to get them out of the league. Listen, I'm all about like less contact in certain situations. I'd love to have the practices they have now. But it's just the league is different. And I wonder like where does the experience come from, the guys that – that have seen it all. Yeah, you know, and and you're absolutely right. And as I look at this league and the way things are trending, man, especially now with with them implementing these this 17th game, I think you're going to see a lot of guys leave the game a lot earlier now. Because, and one of the biggest reasons, you know, guys are getting set financially at a very young age. You know, in the past, you had to play a while to really kind of get that financial freedom that you really want um, for you and your family. But now guys are getting paid uh, astronomical amount of money, rightfully so, yeah. because of the work that we have to put in and the things that we put our body through it. as players. You know, these guys deserve those contracts. But now guys are getting these contracts and they're taking care of their money a lot better than, you know, guys did in the past because we've seen the statistics. Um, we've heard the stories and, you know, I think guys are learning now and guys are getting better. And now, Guys are getting to eight, nine, ten years, and they can walk away from the game comfortably. And you're seeing them do that. I was always afraid to play as long as you. I'm not going to lie. Because I was afraid of how I would feel when I hung it up. Like Because me, at 11 years, I'm 33, 34. I'm like, okay, I've been doing this a long time, but it's not the thing I've been doing almost 20 years. Like I'll be able to transition. Like Was there any fear for you? It's like... I've got to commit to now. I'm going to try to play 20 years if I can, and I've got to walk away with a healthy mindset. That's tougher, right? Yeah, it's it's tougher, but I think I think the way that the league trended a few years ago when they changed the practice schedule and they changed the way that we practice and they changed the the rule on hitting and um, we start to understand um, head trauma better. I think yeah. that for me, allowed me to play the number of years that I was able to play, along with 
tearing my ACL three years in a row. When I when I did that, I think that that allowed me to not have the normal wear and tear that a 16-year guy would have. You know, when you mm. think about that, two and a half of those years, I, I really didn't play football. And that's funny because you didn't play football and it was like a true break. Like, yeah, your knee, you had to go through it over and over again. And like, I can't even imagine the, like the perseverance and the mental fortitude you have to have. But, but to your point, you take a break. And like, I can remember injuries I had where you almost wish they were worse because then they just sit you down. You know, yep. like if I had a surgery on something and it wasn't an ACL, they'd be like, what can you do? And then you go out yeah. there and you make it worse and you lose function in your ankle or you're like, you, you fuck your ACL up. They sit you down. Yeah. You can't, you can't do nothing on that because I, I, I came back too early my first time and, and had a setback and had to redo the surgery all over again and missed a whole nother year. So I know what it's like to try to come back too early and, and not fully be ready. So that's one of those things that they're not going to let you now because there's so much invested in players now. And especially, um, especially guys that are starters in this league, there are so much that's invested in, into each player teams are not willing to take those risks anymore. And that's a good thing. Did you have a plan if number four happened? Like, cause I, that's the way my brain would work. And I don't yes, know sir. about you, I, but I'll be honest with you. After the third one happened in my mind, it was, that was it. Like, I just knew that my career was over with because I had been in the league long enough to understand the business side of things and how how teams work. You're not given another opportunity after tearing your ACL for the third time. Like, hey, we stuck with you after the second one, but listen, it, it, it's obvious that this knee isn't going to hold up. We thank you. We appreciate your service. And now it's on to your next phase of your life because no other team is going to sign you after you tore your ACL for a third time. But I was fortunate enough to be drafted to a team and an owner that that truly believed in me, man. Mm -hmm. And he told me we had a meeting to determine my future. And it was me, Mr. Richardson, Marty Herney, and uh, Ryan Vermillion, and Coach Rivera had just gotten hired to Carolina at that time. And um, I had one person in that room um, that said, hey, if you're willing to put yourself through it, then I'm willing to give you another chance. And that was Mr. Richardson. And, and I tell that story all the time because that speaks to the person, right? Mm -hmm. It speaks to um, the level of, of respect that I had gained from Mr. Richardson just from the way that I carried myself. I tell guys, if, if I had been a knucklehead, if I had do been doing, you know, making mistakes or doing things the wrong way, there's no way that he would have even thought about giving me that opportunity. But he knew that I was a good person. He knew that... Um, I was doing work in the community, trying to make Charlotte a better, better place. And um, he was willing to give me that opportunity. And, and I think as players, having an opportunity, having a chance um, to live out a dream that you had for a second time, for a third time, you don't, you don't let it go to waste and you don't take anything for granted from that point on. And that's kind of how I, I went about my career. And I mean, the rest is history, right? Yeah, the rest is absolutely history, and it's a, it's great history because you played some of your best ball on that bionic knee, dude. Absolutely, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. you were out the there just year, smoking folks on a third ACL, and I wondered, did you play with any healthy fear of I got to keep my feet moving around piles? I got to worry about getting rolled up, or was it non-contact that scared you most? So for me, honestly. And, and this is me being as transparent as I can be. 
I told myself I could not think about those things. Because as a player, when you think about injuries, that's when they happen. So I just went out, man, and I played the game. I play, I prayed before I hit the field each and every time I touched it. And I let God's will be done each and every time I played the game, man. But I never took a single play for granted. I never took off a single play. I never slacked in the weight room when it came to making sure that my quads and my hamstrings were strong enough to be yeah. able to support the level of play that I had on the field. And I think Carolina did a great job of, of managing my reps and managing um, the way that I came back after tearing it for the third time because I wore a knee brace the entire year. And, you know, we kind of talked about it going into the next offseason after I made it that full year about wearing the knee brace the next year. But I, I kind of convinced them as time went on that I was strong enough to not have to wear it again. And I kind of worked my way out of it. And you develop that confidence in going out and just playing the game, man. And for me, it was all positive thoughts, positive energy. And I felt like if you continue to think positive, you breed positive results. And that's kind of what happened for me. Dude, you would have been a great teammate for me to have because I was the negative. Uh, like, I'm just like the grumpy old dude by the time I was 30. you. I wish you were in Philly. Your locker could have been next to me. Unfortunately, they put Michael Bennett next to me, and me and Michael Bennett were both <laughs> negative. And so we just fed up, you know, like old negative vets. And by the way, the Don Joy thing, I know what you were really doing. That Don Joy fucks up your swag in a major way, dude. Man, you put I'm that Don Joy you, on. I'm telling you. And and the, and that's the funny thing too that you mentioned Don Joy because like the third ACL tear happened with me wearing a brace, but it wasn't a Don Joy brace. It wasn't a Don Joy. So they need so to call they you. Come, they had come out with this new brace. They had come out with this new brace, and like they, I was trying it out and got leg whooped by a lineman, and instantly, man, it it, it was gone. And that's when I knew how important Don Joy really was to our, uh, to our safety, man. Did you hear that, Don Joy? I know somebody at Don Joy is listening to this podcast. If you don't already have a deal with Don Joy, they need to like they need to cut the check for TD, man. I'm telling you, I, I represent you guys proudly, and I did. <laughs> I was going to ask you what's next after football, but maybe it's Don Joy pitch, man. Um, but after the ACLs, you're in, you're in L.A. playing with the Chargers. Bizarre, right? I mean, like that had to feel, I mean, really cool to play out West and like the sunshine and stuff, but you're like, you're from the country. Like maybe that didn't appeal to you living at the beach. Like, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was definitely a culture shock. I can tell you that <laughs> after growing up in Georgia, my entire life, um, leaving Georgia, coming right here to Carolina and being in Carolina for 14 years now to pick up and go all the way to the West coast. I mean, it was different, man, but oh, it, yeah. it was exciting. You know, I got to experience some different things, and um, the locker room was amazing, man. They fully embraced me being there, and um, the coaching staff was great. So they made the transition um, pretty smooth, man. And then it, but it was, it was definitely different playing in a different uniform for a different team. Forget the ACLs. How did you feel waking up on a Monday in L.A.? Hey, you know what? I felt actually pretty good, man, because I think it's something about Warm weather, Warm and just, weather and just knowing that you have you just have sunniness around you all the time that makes a huge difference. When you stay in a cold weather city and you go and you beat your body up and you have to wake up and step foot in the cold turf, it's just different. It's just a different feeling, man. And like your knees ache more, your 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 body just aches more, and it's just different. 
Dude, you're so right. I feel like every player that's trying to play another five should go play somewhere warm because Absolutely. when we I used to go out to like, when I played for the Rams and we go out west to play like the Cardinals and stay there for a weekend for like a three-day trip, oh my gosh, dude, it was like I didn't even need Tordal, but I took it anyways, you know, but. <laughs> 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 I mean, we, we all, we all, this man, like that was one of the worst things that I heard when they was talking about getting rid of Toradol. I'm like, man, y'all, y'all can't do this. Dude, th- hey, let me tell you a quick story. I'm not going to name the coach, but I got to a new team and they said, we don't do Toradol shots. And I said, well, I don't do football. And I sat there, <laughs> hey, and I sat there in my locker and we're, it's 60 minutes before the game and I said, you're going to have to find another defensive end. Find another third end. <laughs> um, because then the coach came over and said, what's going on here? He doesn't want. He doesn't want to play without a Tordal shot. Coach said, "Well, give him a fucking Tordal shot." Exactly. <laughs> so I think a lot of it was just depends on like the franchise you're a part of or the coach. But yeah. I don't think people understand how much vitamin T does for your performance. Right, and I think and and I understood. I understood. You know some of the ramifications that that come from taking it, but that's taking it every day. Every day we take it. We take it on a Sunday, sixteen weeks out of a year. And after, you know, just doing the research and kind of looking it up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not changing that. How about Luke Keekley, who, man, I mean, two of the most respected guys in the league playing right next to each other, like a buddy cop movie. Um, but you got, you had to see him go out, like kind of polar opposite of the way you went out. Like you, your obstacles you could overcome. Like for him, it's his, it's his health. I mean, it's like his mental health. Right. And... It's, and I, I guess I wonder, like, do you feel robbed to see in the rest of his career? Man, absolutely, man. I feel like everybody, everybody was robbed um, from, you know, just from seeing him being able to play at least five more years because he was such a phenomenal player, but an even better person, man. And to know that he had to make that decision simply based on, you know, what he had gone through from a health standpoint, man, it, it was tough to see, but um, ultimately I'm happy that he made the decision. Um, I kind of felt like that was a decision that was going to come, um, just based on what he had gone through from a head trauma and what we know about head trauma now. And, um, I'm just happy to see him doing well and see him in a real happy place right now, man. He's, he's doing really well. He legitimately is happy in retirement. He is. He is. I don't think he was very happy. Um, after the first few months of retirement, once the season started last year, but I can say that you know from talking to him that he's in a real happy place now. It, it had to be hard, man, because I think about my teammates, and you hate seeing your teammates down in the field. And I didn't even know Luke, but when I saw him crying after that one concussion, I was like, I've seen enough, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah. I'm glad he is smart enough. And that's the thing about Luke is he seems like a brilliant cat. He is, man. I'm glad he he's he was smart enough to value Luke the person over Luke the football player because that has to be tough, man. I don't know what you're thinking when you see that in real time. Man, it, it was extremely tough, man, to see your brother in that position, and you just you know the person, you know you know how fearless and how relentless he is, and to see him that vulnerable in that space, knowing that it, it's something that's happening that's totally out of his control, totally out of his control. Yeah. He can't. You can't control the side effects or the emotions that come from from having a concussion. No, and, you know, to see him like that, man, it was it was tough. It was extremely tough. But I think um, for us as a football team, we kind of rallied around him. Um, you know, we we were always in full support of 
whatever decision he made, even if he had made that decision um, two years prior to to doing to making the decision when he did, man, you 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 couldn't do anything but um, support him and you know continue to love him and let him know, man, that you're gonna always be there for him because you just you just never really know the full ramifications down the road that are gonna come from from dealing with that, right? Do they scare you? You've made a million tackles. Does that scare you? Do you ever think about like, I, I don't know, my dad played 13 years and, and you know when my pops played, it was like he might as well play 26 years now. Yeah, sure. And he was playing a 3-4 and that sort of thing. And I look at him and I'm like, my dad's sharp. He's not having any issues. They make it want to sound like we're automatically going to be fucked up, but it has to be in the back of your mind sometimes that like, you never know. Maybe I lose it one day. I don't know. No question. No question. And, and I think a large part of it is you see all of the guys that that have dealt with it, that are dealing with it, that a lot of us never imagined would be going through some of the things that they're dealing with, right? So as players, we know that we aren't invincible. No matter, no matter how much we may feel that way, we're not invincible. So if you play the game for a long time, you're at risk of having some kind of um, – some kind of effects from from like a CTE Especially type neurological, yeah, exactly. No question. So, do I worry about it? Sure. I mean that that comes with it. But um, would I change anything that I did to play this game? No. And I wouldn't either. I you know football's given me so much, man. And I I also think that like we have to protect protect our mental health too. You know, like just protect. Yeah. Because there's a ton of our, our brothers, as you put it, that I think also are just struggling. You know what I mean? You get away from the yep. game, and if you don't have a home base, if you don't have a family, you know, for you, your faith, like, you know, it's just, you got to have something. You have to have a rock, man. You have to have a place to, and I feel like a lot of guys we see, because they don't have the luxury of planning their retirement, or because they don't yeah. have a home base, or they haven't, like, planned for the next thing. They don't have a family. They're floating, man. It's and it's so funny that you say that because I was just on a um, on a Zoom call with some DPEs and some team clinicians, and we were talking about that exact thing. And one of the questions came up was, "When is the right time to start talking to guys about having a plan?" And I told them, plain and simple, like you need to talk to these guys about having a plan as rookies. Yeah. And they were like, some guys may, you know. Um, take it a certain way or may get offended if you come to them talking about having a plan. I'm like, it doesn't matter. We know the numbers. We know the statistics. We know that there are more guys that leave the game not wanting to leave the game than guys that make the decision to leave the game on their own. So Fine. it's important to start that at, a, at as rookies. Have a plan. And we're not saying that this needs to be your forever plan. Yeah. But you need to have a plan. Because as time goes on and you're fortunate enough to be around the game longer, you can make a different plan. Yeah. But right now you need to have a concrete plan in place for what if. And you know, I'm I'm excited that the league has decided to have team clinicians um on all 32 teams because that allows someone in-house to talk to guys about something different than football. Yeah. You know, you can find out if guys have mental health issues or if guys are struggling in areas that um, like a normal DPE can't help with. Exactly, because I think a lot of times what we do is we're like, 
oh, guy is acting erratic. Guy must just have CT. Like, let's ignore all the mental health issues that we as men and women uh, and just people have to deal with that we sweep under the rug in general in society. And then people are like even less with football players because of the invincibility that you mentioned. I feel like people are like, I don't want to hear it. Like, you can't be upset. You got a lot of money right. or you had an opportunity I'd love to have. Like, you can't be bipolar or you can't, you know, be, you know, be I, I don't know. There's, yeah. to your point, yeah. there's a whole host of things that guys aren't even, having a psychologist, having somebody you could talk to, I mean, that's a big deal for young players. There's a lot of stress. It's a game changer, man. It's a game changer, brother. Do you talk to somebody? I, Me and my wife both um, just started talking to a counselor. Um yeah. You know, and I felt like that was needed for me making this transition because I don't want to feel like I know it all. I don't want to feel like, hey, I have all of the answers. Those are the people that fail at life when you think you know everything and you think you have it all together. So for me, it was about putting a plan in place, going to see someone, talking about some of the things that I may be struggling with, that I may, that I may be excelling in and just trying to make sure that I keep that healthy balance. We talked about this earlier. I mean, like anybody would want to have Thomas Davis's career to be in one place for 15 years or whatever it was, or 13 years or whatever it was, and to be able to call it home, franchise record for tackles, Pro Bowls, you know, playing a Super Bowl. But you still probably harbor some resentment for some things in your career. Like, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl in, in a second or two, but like, there's guys wear shit that you don't even realize they wear. And I'm talking to the fans or people listening. Like, I wear shit from my career that I resent that you'd be like, you resent that? You're really, like Chris, you you have 70 sacks in the NFL, you played 11 years, you got two, and you're mad about something? Yeah, I'm mad about stuff. Like, so yeah. imagine I didn't, I didn't leave the game on my own terms like very few people do, like you or I got to do. There's 85% of guys are carrying around these burdens, you know, and I think yep. let it out, and then also like, in my opinion, if you're a football player and you're listening to this, because I got some guys that listen, Call a buddy. I think that's one of the biggest things is like, I've tried to and I forget. I'm going to call a teammate once a week because you never know what a guy's going through. One of the most glaring ones to me was the, the Vincent Jackson situation, man, that just mm. happened a few months ago, man. Like, Vincent Jackson is a guy that I never imagined would be going through what he was going through, right? Yeah. So... It just goes to say, man, you just never know what anybody is going through, man. So it's important, man. You you build this brotherhood. You, you create all this camaraderie when you're in the locker room, and it shouldn't end there. Yeah. You know, you create relationships and bonds that are going to last you a lifetime, man. It's important, man. Like, you know what we go through and what we struggle with day in and day out, and there are even more struggles once you're done with the game. So it's important, and um, that's why I'm excited about you know, the new role that I'm getting ready to um, partake in with the Legends community, um, I have an opportunity to reach out to guys um, that are leaving the game, just retiring and five years removed. And um, I plan to take full advantage of being able to just connect and find out where guys are and, um, you know, how can how we can assist them and in, in what they're doing. That's awesome, man. Uh, the Luke Keekley thing, hard right turn. Is there one story about him that, that illustrates just how regular that dude is? Luke came in as a rookie driving, I think, um, maybe a, I don't want to get the year wrong, but I'm, I'm <laughs> probably going to say a 2008-ish, anywhere from 2008 to 2009, GMC Denali. Yeah. 
And he still drives that to this day. He didn't buy a new car. <laughs> he didn't buy a new car. He, he, he always wanted a Porsche, right? That was his favorite car. He always wanted a Porsche. And he told himself, finally, after being in the league all of those years and making all this money and all the money Luke made off the field, we know that if we won the Super Bowl, he was going to buy the Porsche. And I wanted to win the Super Bowl so bad to see him buy this Porsche to see if he was really going to follow through with it. Because he's one of those guys, man, that's going to be rich forever because he don't spend a ton of money. I know. Luke, Luke, probably, Luke probably didn't spend any money from his contract. The most, like, the only thing that I remember him, like, really spending money on was his house. That was it. And the rookie dinner. And and the rookie dinner. Yeah, and the rookie dinner. But we didn't, we didn't. So, so when you have a guy that come in that's that's like Luke Keekley, a rookie that does everything that you ask him to do, yep. you try to haze him and you tie him up and, you know, we don't haze in the NFL, but you, you do some Not things anymore. to him. Hey, you do some things to him, you tie him up and um, you, you dump cold water and stuff on him and the guy looks at the picture, you're like, hey, hey, send me that picture. Like, how? <laughs> How could how could you haze a guy like that, man? Or how could you like um you know do something like bad to him? So nah. I wish I, I mean, had it, you it, as a vet, bro. I told this story recently, 20 racks, uh rookie dinner here, right here. But I was top ten, you know, like so they prorated it, so I had the big part of the, the bill. You know, when dudes started coming in, you remember like Pisa, who was a linebacker with the Rams, and, and yeah, OJ yeah. Otagwe, and those guys, and Leroy. I had Leroy Glover. I had James Hall, like all my OGs. Oh, yeah. And dude started grabbing Louie. Or like, well, I, I said, this shit's got to stop, dude. This is a rookie <laughs> dinner. This is not a rookie yeah. bar night. And I said, That's listen, man, I'm, be, I'm being cool now. But I'm a grown man, too. I'm 23. That's the, that's but, the biggest one, bro. The look. The Lord of 13 shouldn't even exist, man. It don't make no sense for alcohol to cost that much. It exists man. just for rookie dinners, dude. I'm convinced. I'm telling you, that's, that's crazy. That's the only time. Let's talk about C-Mac, Christian McCaffrey, because where do you think the running back position is headed, and where do you think Christian McCaffrey's – do you think he's a one-off, or do you think there's an opportunity for more, like, many Christian McCaffreys in our game? Yeah, I think I think that Christian McCaffrey is a guy that, that – definitely came into the league and changed the way running backs are viewed. Um, when you look at the way Kristen is being used, the way Alvin Kamara is being used down in New Orleans, those are guys that are like re like reigniting and reinventing the running back position. Because for so long, like you saw teams start to really um devalue that position. Like if yeah. you look at if you look at um the way that these guys started to get paid, the way that um, they were cutting running backs with, with, like, with the ease, and you have a guy come along like a Christian McCaffrey and like a, and like a Alvin Kamara, that's a once in a lifetime talent, a guy that can get you a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving, like Marshall Falk used to do back in the day. Like when you have guys like that, you have to figure out a way to take care of them. And Christian came in. And the knock on him was that he couldn't run between the tackles. And being around him and seeing how hard he worked and how much he wanted to dispel that notion, you just knew the guy was going to be successful, man. And um, he definitely made us better defensively going against him day in and day out for sure. When you played backer and it was practice and you got this young kid, I see him jumping over hurdles and running. It looks he's ridiculously athletic. What's the route that you're like, 
don't run this route, dude. Please dude, don't. I hate so so any any kind of option routes with our backs, man. One on ones, one on ones are a joke. First of all, let yeah. me say that linebacker, linebacker, running back, linebacker, tight end, one on ones are a joke because we all know you can have the the, the offensive guy beat. They're just going to change the route on you. They're just yeah. going to do something different. If you study it, you 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 play it the right way, you're still going to lose because one. You don't have a D-line that's rushing, so the quarterback can sit in the pocket. These guys are accurate. They're going to put it on the receiver. And Kristen is a matchup nightmare, man. He's the guy that runs routes like a receiver, so he's going to come out, he's going to sell this option route, and he's just going to completely leave you standing in the same spot that you were standing in. He has that kind of ability. One guy with the game on the line, any team in the NFL right now, uh, second level to cover McCaffrey, he's running an angle route. Who do you like? There are a few linebackers in the league, man, that 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 I'm real excited about. So I think Devin White oh, and Levante wow. David for sure. So good. But also, also, I absolutely love the way Bobby Wagner plays the game, man. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's gonna be Canton immediately, that guy. Um Super Bowl, man. A lot of you know, people make a big deal about the ACLs. I saw the picture of the forearm. Was how much did that really hurt? Like, because you're explaining to somebody who understands pain tolerance and on an NFL level, like, what was the thing that hurt that forearm? If you haven't seen it, go Google Thomas Davis forearm. If if, you, if you're okay with stitches and that type of shit, I mean, that how big was that incision, dude, on your forearm? You broke your forearm two weeks before the Super Bowl. You played anyways. Yeah, bro. It was it was it was pretty pretty nice size incision, and I had a bunch of um bunch of stitches that were still in it, but for me, the adrenaline of playing in the Super Bowl and, you know, being in the league for 11 years and never having that opportunity to having that opportunity and feeling and, and feeling it, feeling like it was slipping away from you. Like, it's a no brainer when you're told that, hey, it's a pain, it's going to be a pain tolerance thing. You can play, but it, I mean, so for me, it was like, hey, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to give it a shot. At the at the very least, what am I gonna do? Break my arm again? Yeah. And go into the offseason. I can just have surgery again. So, you know, luckily enough for me, man, I I went out there and it was like two times that I really felt it when I made a tackle and and like we both fell on it. Like I felt it then, but other like taking on linemen and doing those normal things that you have to do as a linebacker. It didn't really bother me that much. So what did they do defensively? Because you were the number one offense. You guys held your own against the the, the Broncos. Uh, what did they do defensively? Was it just Von Miller? Man, it was it was Von Miller. It was DeMarcus Ware. It was um who else? Um Jackson in the middle. I mean, those those guys, I mean, they had they had a good defensive front. And I think I think we just did a poor job of executing our offensive game plan, man. That's what it boiled down to. We we got put in a bad spot early on, and we just didn't recover from it. Because defensively, you know, we held our own on, on the things that they were doing. Um, offensively, it's just you can't give up a touchdown in the Super Bowl, and you can't um, you can't turn the ball over on the 10-yard line. You just put yourself in a bad position, man, and we just couldn't recover from those turnovers. And the T.J. Ward pick... I think it was TJ Ward. He coughed the ball up and you guys almost fell on it anyways. Yeah. In the third yeah. quarter. And at that point you're down like 
a score or like maybe eight, nine points. So it's like anybody's game at that. Just crazy to me. The little things that happen is, do you ever go back? Have you ever gone back and watched it? Some guys don't even watch. No, I have, I have not watched the complete Super Bowl since we lost it, bro. No, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I still to this day can't watch that game. It's tough because it's tough, man. Like, so when you go into the game and, and if you, so like, Say, for instance, like you guys against the Patriots, right? Yeah. You guys were the underdogs in that game. Yep. That was the, y'all played the underdog role the entire season. Y'all rode that whole yeah, underdog wave the entire season. Yeah, but did. to go into that game and be the favorite to win the Super Bowl and to lose it, it was, it was, it was tough, man, because there was, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to win that game. Right. And to not, walk away from that game with a victory, knowing that it was the mistakes that we made that cost us, it, it was tough. What happened after the game with the fumble and Cam? Because everybody always holds that against Cam. And I don't know if he just thought, man, like if I jump on this ball, I'm going to knock it out of the pile and it looks like the center's about to get it or, you know? You know what? I, I talked to Cam a lot, man, and, and we we're really good friends. And I've never asked him that question. Yeah. I've never asked him that question because I know – without a doubt that we're never in the Super Bowl again running period if it's not for Cam Newton. Yeah. I know how competitive he is. I went against him day in and day out. Um we talk shit to each other more than any teammates have ever in history. So I know how competitive he is and um I know that if he felt like that there was something different or if he felt like um that he could have that moment back, I'm pretty sure he probably would have handled it different. I, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, like, but I, just know. It, I don't. I, I my thing is, are you telling me that Cam's afraid of contact because <laughs> Cam's yeah. Cam yeah. creates contact. So like you know, right. there's been moments where I didn't jump on a fumble because I thought somebody else was about. It's an awkward thing, and I'm not like taking him off the hook because I'm sure maybe he'd tell you if he was sitting right here, he'd be like, dude, I would have done that differently, but. There are circumstances where you're like, oh, that guy's got it. And if I jump down, I'm going to knock my guy off. Like, you could push the ball out the other side. I don't know. I actually have a bigger question about that game. What happened to Coney Ely, man? <laughs> man, Coney had – if we won that game, Coney was going to be the MVP, bro. Like, if we had won that game, man, he he had a phenomenal game, man. And, and Coney was just one of those players, man, that was – he was just – it was too much inconsistency in this game. Right. He had times where he would show up for games. He had times where he would show up for workouts. And, you know, he, he, Coney Ely defeated Coney Ely, honestly. And that, that's, that's the, the basis of it, man. He, he was a second round pick. He was a guy that, you know, we thought that we were going to get a lot more out of more consistently. And he just didn't do it. 14 years in Carolina, you saw a lot of guys come and go, probably some high draft picks, some guys that couldn't get it together off field, guys that might have been hurt. Who was the biggest what-if in Carolina? Oh, man. I think the biggest what-if that we had in Carolina was, without a doubt, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Man, he was a guy that that could have totally – he could have totally rewritten the record books if he would have fully committed himself to like being in shape all the time, um, making sure that he was a true professional. Like he was a guy that um, coupled with Cam Newton could have, man, we could have done some amazing things with him, bro. 
So there's your number one. Everybody's always like, and I, I am on team like they did not invest in Cam. How could you argue against that? I thought they could have invested more up front that manifests in the Super Bowl. Um, but you just mentioned it, and I think Benjamin was hurt that year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tore his ACL that year. But either way, like, there's your number one. If you know, it sounds like he's a generational kind of talent guy. Why do you think that the investment in Cam fell short sometimes? You know, honestly, I think I think they just put so much stock in his ability and what he could do. Right, like, he could create so much more with so much less. And like as the time went on, and as the as the season went on, and as games went on you know, it ended up costing us right. because, you know, we made it to the Super Bowl in 2015 and we had that magical season. And then they came back the next year and they just kind of didn't really do much with the roster. And, um, they let our best corner go, um, arguably one of the best corners um, in the league at the time. And especially for the kind of defense we played, then we lost Coach McDermott. Um, yeah. From a defensive guru standpoint and, you know, we just never really could recreate that magic that we had that season. How much do you think Cam's got left in the tank, man? Man, I think I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, man, because um, before he got COVID this year, and, you know, not not to really make any excuses for um, some of the things that he did, but before he got COVID, I was excited to see his arm strength back. I was excited to see him out there competing the way that he was and um, – now that he has all of these new weapons that they've added around him, I know how hard he works. I know um, what he's going to give to that game. And now I know that I'm excited about watching the Patriots this year. I can promise you that. Dude, I am too. And I got to say, like, I, it was Cam's worst year or whatever. And there were times, that, and I've said this on this pod, where I thought Cam in his career, me on the outside, not as his teammate, I was like, I love the way he plays, man. I got so much respect for, you know, the player. I thought he was a front runner sometimes. I thought at times like he could have stood taller after games. But last year, I felt like he just earned, not that my respect matters, but I was like, this guy blew me away with the job he did there. He was bad, dude. He did not play well after COVID. He'd tell you that. Um, and he was the consummate team player. You talk to guys in New England, all the things you guys would say about him in Carolina, like these guys loved him. They're like, yeah, he's eccentric as fuck, but like, He's just the greatest teammate, and you just you want to go out there and battle. Look when he re-signed. All the fans are like, oh, Cam was washed. But all the teammates were like, yes, dude, we get Cam right. back. And so yeah. I am rooting for him, and I do hope that what you're saying is true. I wondered if he was dinged up and we didn't know about it because, golly, he could be um, the yeah, way he plays. He, and he usually plays. He usually just plays through anything, man. He, he had an accident. Um, a few years ago, um, completely flipped his truck over. Could have been a lot worse than it was. I and, remember. Um, I think he messed his back up, and he was still trying to play that week. And he was like, man, like, bro, we, we appreciate you, but get yourself together, man. Get healthy, and, um, you know, we'll hold it down. Derek Anderson came in and did a great job against Tampa. And, you know, the rest was history That's that, that year. But, I mean, that's, that's who Cam is, though. Yeah. He he wants to go out. He wants to compete. He wants to put it all in the line for for his teammates, for you know, for himself and for the organization. Did the Josh Norman thing have to do anything with that fight? What was that fight over, man? That picture is hilarious with him and Cam. Man, I, he, Josh Josh is a funny funny guy, man. Oh, I know. 
Josh, Josh is a funny guy. And, um, you know, it's just trash talk. That's all it was. That's all it boiled down to. And, you know, they are the best of friends now. And um, after that, they were the best of friends. It's just one of those things where, you know, you're in training camp and the offense is talking trash to the defense and things get heated. And yeah, um, it's just I unexpected when you see the quarterback given like the, right. the uh, DB a noogie, man. Like he was like and, his, and his kid think, or something. And I think Cam had thrown a pick or something in a two minute situation then. And Josh was talking trash, and he kind of faked like he was going to hit Cam, like crack back on him. And uh-huh. that's kind of how it led to that. And Cam probably did that. You know, Cam's on the GIF. Like, he probably did that thing, and then next thing you know, it was just on. So yeah, man, what was, percentage was, of a locker room could Cam smoke in an octagon? Like 70% of all position players or 85%? Dark alley? Um, yeah, probably probably 85 90% I love that. of guys. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I love that. He built. He, he's built different, man. He's concrete. Yeah, man. His bones are made of concrete. Different. I really don't think he has normal like, like, st- like bone structure to be it. Because I'm telling, I told people when you hit Cam Newton, and you hit Cam Newton, I'm talking about in the pocket, dude. Like, you feel it's the hardest hit you take all game, and you delivered the hit. Right. Okay. Like I told this story where it was we were in Philly. And you were still there in 17. It was their Super Bowl year. Yep. We played you guys yep. at night. Yep. It was a great game. And I hit Cam so hard, or I thought I hit him hard. <laughs> and and uh, I pulled him down on me. He broke my rib. He cracked my rib. For real? Yeah, dude. That's just crazy. from his, like, just the like the density of that cat, bro. Bro, that's some of the worst pain ever, man. People don't understand, like, trying to play through a broken rib. The crack. Bro. Even a little crack. Bro, I broke I broke my rib um, in 2015. Yeah, Super Bowl year. I broke my rib that year. Right? Why didn't Why didn't the Cam and Ron? I bet he's happy where he is. I'm sure Ron's doing awesome, man. I was so happy for him last year. Was it? Did it get close to a reunion at all, or was it just better to leave it in the past? I I was pushing hard, man. Yeah, I was pushing hard, especially when Cam was sitting out there and he didn't really have any offers. Um, I was pushing hard, but. You know, because of COVID and Ron not having an opportunity to really figure out or find out, you know, what Dwayne Haskins was capable of or um, how Alex Smith was going to come back. You know, he had to get in and he had to see those guys. And um, by the time he was able to make um, make a decision, Cam had already signed with the Patriots. Did that piss you off at all? Um, Because it pissed me off and I never played for Ron that he took so many arrows about Dwayne. And I'm not dumping on Dwayne because kids have to grow up all the time in the NFL. And like he just happened to be a quarterback and a high pick, which I don't think people realize just because you're a high pick quarterback means you're a leader or you're ready. Did that piss you off to see um, your guy, Ron, taking so many arrows for the Dwayne situation like halfway through the year? Because I was sitting here like, God damn, have you ever considered maybe it's not, it's not, you know, Ron? Like maybe the young kid's not ready. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it was tough, man, to see him to see him sit back and endure all of that, and and knowing what he was dealing with personally. You know, he had he was he was fighting cancer during the time, and um, you know, having still having to make the tough decisions, showing up at work, um, running a football team. We didn't have a general manager, so he was making all of those decisions as well. And um, you know, when you're in that position, you have to make tough decisions, and. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, letting a first round pick go from two years previous 
um, was tough, but, you know, I think it was the right decision, you know, not only for the organization, but also for Dwayne at the time, because I think that's going to give him an opportunity to realize the importance of making sure that you're doing things the right way. And um, from a quarterback um, standpoint, you definitely have to do things the right way because you're looked upon for leadership. Last question. Do you remember Thomas Davis's last tackle? Holy shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I had to get you to cuss Um, one time on this pod before it's been an an hour and you cuss once. It's great. Bro, I don't. I honestly don't, man. I didn't get to play a lot this year, man. I don't think I had like probably like five or six tackles, if that. Um, this entire season, man, because I didn't, yeah. like I said, I didn't play a whole lot, but um, I do remember my last fairly decent game, man, and that was against Dallas. So I, I, I ride the wave. I always had a good game against the Cowboys. That's a good one to have a good game. I just remember, I can remember the last time I took my helmet off. Like, it's just a big deal when you're like, I'm literally never going to put a helmet on again unless I'm showing my kids my helmets. Yeah, man, and and I, I can definitely remember the last time taking it off in a game, and that was that was against the Rams. So it's a yeah. weird, it's a weird thing, man. Well, you don't get the forehead bruises anymore around August, which is nice. Thomas Davis Defending Dreams Foundation. Tell us about that uh, before we let you go. What what's next uh, with the foundation and life for you? And so with our foundation, you know, we just we're just trying to grow it even bigger now that I'm more hands on. Like I've always been super hands on with what we do, but having this extra time that I'm not playing, yeah, um, we can just do more within the community um, to give back to the kids and the families that we're working with. So we're excited about that. Obviously, um, when co- when COVID is completely out of the picture, we'll be able to to interact and do more things. Um, like we were doing in the past with our leadership academy, with our football camp, with our um, back-to-school drives, with our just all of the work that we were doing with the kids. We'll be able to do that on a larger scale. Um, but right now, you know, I own an arena team, the Charlotte Thunder. Do you so, really? Yeah, man. So that's what we've been doing. We had our first game um, last Friday, and we won 69-12. to 12. So, I mean... <laughs> No, it, it was exciting, man. You guys are like the 5A team. Who's I think uh, you're not going to talk trash about the other team. Uh, <laughs> hey, what, what are those tickets going for, man? Um, so our tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster. And, you know, we have a, a COVID special. So they're only $15. Um, it's very family-friendly, man. It was a great environment. Yeah. Like, like just being in there, seeing, you know, how hard those guys play. Man, those guys hit harder than, than we did <laughs> in the NFL, hungry, man. man. Man, so it it was exciting, man, and like it was just a good time. Like my kids were excited, um, other kids in there were excited. The people that came to the game, they enjoyed it. So um, we're excited, man. We got another game coming up this Friday. I mean, this Saturday um, at seven thirty, and man, it, it's just fun, man. Charlotte Thunder football. I love that city, man. Queen City. It's been too long. I'm gonna get down there when things clear up and catch one of y'all's games, man. I gotta, I gotta, but I, I need the COVID special, man. I need the COVID special, special now. Hey, listen, okay? man, it's, it's on me, brother. It's me. on me. I got you. Okay. Just let me know when you're coming in. I TD, got you. man. I appreciate you, dude. Congratulations on a great career. I've told you this in person, but just somebody I respect massively, dude. I appreciate hey, same you. to you, brother. Yeah. Same to you. Same level of respect, man. And you know, you you walked away from this game with two Super Bowl rings, so I'm envious, man. Shit, I would trade one to be Thomas Davis. How about that? <laughs> Stop it. All right, bro. All right, bro. Appreciate it, man. Dude, take it easy. By the way, wasn't he great? He was great.
That's what I'm saying. Capital G. Capital G. Like one of those Georgia G's. One of those Georgia G's. One of those zero R's came to mind. Is there an R in sports? Uh, Rutgers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's ugly. Capital G, capital R, capital E, e like in Elon. Eastern Washington. East Tennessee State. Yeah. Capital A, like the A Braves. Appalachian State. Potentially your new baseball team. Yeah. Capital T. Texas Southern. Precisely. He's one of the greats. Okay. So I, I want to cue up some video. I told you I did have some video for you. This is my show and tell. And leave these big openings. I hate everything about it. I know you hate watching that stuff, but that was the only way I could get you to talk about the UFC. I mean, there was a big fight Saturday night, and uh, you want to, hey, Cowboy Reed, what were the odds? Nganu was uh, minus 140 to Miocic plus 120. It was a $65 fight, so I wasn't watching it. I watched it. I don't know if I get in trouble for this. Can I get in trouble for this? I just happened to FaceTime Lane Johnson. He had it on in the background. FBI at like 11:45 at night but I just I had to talk to Lane and I knew I did not know he was watching the fight I said oh hey there's the fight let me check it out Lane it was a mirror actually so I didn't see the fight directly but it was on in the mirror and uh let me tell you something that knockout there uh was brutal absolutely brutal lasted 52 seconds into the second round so so I don't know as much about the sport as like a I fell off in my UFC knowledge. Um, Saturday nights, now that you're a dad, it's uh, smoke and go to sleep. It's not where can I, what bar can I go to uh, and watch? You would hate one of those things where you go to a bar, like a like a already out, yeah. <laughs> where you go to a bar and 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 there's like a bunch of people screaming and Ugh. people are beating each other up on the screen. But there are like these fighters are amazing, man. And Francis Ngannou, who I met at the ESPYS. I just remember he has the heaviest hands I've ever shook. Like, I've shook a lot of football players' hands. Adrian Peterson, after he shakes your hand, you're like, does he not like me? You know, like, old school handshake. Ask a dude, tweet your favorite player. Have you ever met Adrian Peterson? How did that handshake feel? You would think he did not like you, but he's cool as shit and that's not what it was. He just has a firm handshake. Nganu's hand is like a fucking cinder block, dude. And um, he's le- legitimately 6'5", 260, like built like a, a, the world's best athletes and can fight. And like his backstory is crazy. It's, in, it's insane. Like he's been homeless the whole nine yards. And so the, the other guy, Steep, right? Mm-hmm. Miocic is one of the best of all time. So this guy's absolute dog, and like everybody respects the hell out of him. And I guess he was retired and unretired to take this fight. And this is the the guy in Ganu now. He's like the the new Mike Tyson of of MMA. And I guess I was just watching that, and I was so affected by how big and powerful those two dudes are. I mean, you got the greatest who's not as imposing uh, physically anymore, or you know, like nobody's going to be as imposing as Francis Ganu, but. You got the great, like the greatest of all time, the badassery that comes with that, and then this this young up and coming, just freak of nature. And when he had him on the fucking fence, dude, 
I was like, that must be the most terrifying feeling in the world. Being powerless in the ring, like you ended up in a bad spot with Francis Ngannou. And I cannot tell you how much I respect Miocic for I think knowing, and I'm sure if you fight, you can never like believe you're about to lose, but you just know when it's not going well. And this dude like went out swinging. I feel like he made the decision in that fight. I'm on the ropes. I don't think it's going well, but I'm going to keep punching. And he walked right into it. And uh, man, I thought he broke his leg, but thank God he didn't. Holy crap. He's a warrior. Best and worst. Last week, we didn't do a best and worst. Did you notice that? I did, because I love this segment. It's one of my favorite segments. You know what I'm going to do? I have a worst. I have a worst. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. The best part of my week was when our dogs finally met and Willie uh, mounted Zoe. Zoe! Talk. I'm going to go to worst and I have a statement. Okay. This is a statement from the Gunter family. Though we are pleased to report that Zoe Rabbit is unharmed by the events of Saturday evening, we must condemn the juvenile behavior exhibited by Willie. The acts were disgraceful, deplorable, and depraved. The rabbit is a lady and shall be treated as such. While we are prepared to accept an apology from the Long family, should one be issued, we have put this matter to rest. Thank you. I'm glad that's behind us. I am glad that's behind us because that was a tough scene. I mean, like you not being able to stop Zoe from the magnetism that was, I mean, it was, just, it was like two. Show the tape, bro. I did get in the middle of them. You kept getting in the middle of them. The not once let did you say, hey, Sorry, sorry about being sorry over, about my dog. Why would I apologize for for a dog doing what a dog does, which is that Willie is an absolute sex symbol and he's an alpha and he ran over there and Zoe was like, "Hey, come over. You want to hang out?" And then he came over. Guess, guess what, idiot? Your dog dick game weak. Weak as hell. Okay? He's I like, couldn't even. He's like eight weeks old, dude. He, he he was on her like neck. He didn't know he didn't know where to be. <laughs> he was just he's just practicing, dude. And all that and that and that got a state statement out of you. you. You know what? If my dog did that to somebody else's dog, if your dog which, scissored somebody, granted, <laughs> is your dog is your dog gonna. But you're not like what? I mean, Willie was doing what he was born to do. My dog is. Uh, but you were so. But it was so funny. We had Kate, your lovely wife Kate, my lovely wife Meg, on the back porch, outdoor, distanced, having a get together, and our dogs were just out there, and, and just Willie was Mark. He was. You want to see my room? And the rabbit paid him no mind. No, the right. Well, we'll go to the tape. I got the tape. But literally, you would. I've never seen you move that fast, that <laughs> athletically, as you trying to stop me from videoing uh, what was going on in the backyard. Yeah, uh, like full just, on boxing me out. You were Dennis Rodman, dude. We're we're two different people because I would have been. Oh my gosh, Here I am so sorry. High Let me put my dog inside. That is really inappropriate. Oh, how about when Zoe Rabbit? Uh, 
like 60 miles an hour ran through my two-year-old <laughs> yeah you walked right into that one didn't you you didn't say in, shit in route i think your back was turned in route no, to well, seeing I, if I, your two-year-old was okay after coming down the slide hard all yeah, right yeah, yeah. zoe oh, so the, so heard tears and wanted to make sure he was okay so basically and she unfortunately my terry, son's fault terry it's my son's your son fault. No, it's my son's nobody's fault. He, fault. he came down the slide too hard. Nobody's fault. He was upset about the slide. Zoe comes over and he feels better. There's never been such a forceful impact between a dog and a toddler. <laughs> I, well. And you're talking about my dog sowing his wild oats. Sowing nothing. I mean, truly. I was weak. Bro, I thought I heard fucking Marvin Gaye on in the background. I did. Yeah, that was that was something. Was that the best of your week? Because it was the best of my week. No, that was the worst of my week. Actually, had the baby on my lap this weekend. Oregon State. Yeah. Dominating Loyola. Yeah. And I would say things like, oh, give me all three of those. <laughs> and um, Yelling at your baby. And uh, well, well, we talked about a lot of basketball things, and she seemed to be picking it up. But that felt great when it was just, you know, you're getting eight points and you're up by seven. Yeah, we don't need to go back there. We okay. go back there, All you're right. gonna be you're gonna okay. be off the All wagon, right. dude. Okay. All right. So uh best of your week, I guess, was winning some bets. Um worst of my week was fucking up my wife's birthday, who I love very much. I went to go get her a cake and she's so low maintenance on her birthday, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. It's remarkable how selfless she is. Uh I hate birthdays. She doesn't even hate them, but she just doesn't need anything. Um, I go to get her a cake anyways. Cake guy's out, of course. Like, just my luck, right? Trying to get a cake, trying to do the right thing. No did, good deed. Did you go on her birthday? Yeah, in the morning. All right, here, pro tip, fella. Wait till you have multiple kids, pro dude. Pro tip. Wait till you have multiple kids and, you ha and you're doing more than, you know, three real estate calls a day. Just wait. Just wait. Pro tip, fella. Just wait. You call a reputable bakery mm -hmm. several days in advance and say, this is what I want. I'll be picking it up on Friday. That's not how we do things. Bang. Do you say I love you when you hang up uh, the phone with you and your lovely wife? No. Absolutely not. I guess all relationships are different. I, you know, cake for us is, is negotiable, like the timing of when you go to get cake. Do you say I love you? Every time. She's Every upstairs. Time. Love you. She's upstairs? So she tells me she loves me upstairs because she loves me. What do you mean by upstairs? You're on different levels and you're just shouting I love you at each other? Well, you know, if she has to call, if she's like, I'm in the bathroom and she's like in the kitchen downstairs. If she phones I, there's a you. phone call. Yeah, there's no place in the house. Like, hey, will you turn that music off downstairs? All right, love you. Wow. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it's a wonderful relationship. Sounds like the most inauthentic three words you guys got going on in your Not marriage. Not at all. You know how authentic we are? Actually, last night, we entered into a lifetime agreement to shun Hallmark cards. We're not buying another Hallmark card for the rest of our lives, including, like, at one point, I was like, why the fuck have we been just donating to Hallmark? Like, this whole thing about you have to go out. You know how many car accidents happen on the way to CVS to get a Hallmark card? You know how I many just like in, inconveniences that trip? I mean, people have kids. You got to like figure out a way to covertly go to CVS to get a card and write, I love you, happy birthday. We're done with that. 
I support local. I go to like indie stationery shops and plunk down seven chickens for a card. Yeah, you know where we're going from now on? What's that? Michael's. And we're getting construction paper and we're making our cards. So we're doing all homemade cards from now until, you know, we kick the bucket. So that's a lifetime deal. No cards to illustrate how chill my wife is. But I go to get um, a cake and there's no cake. And they have mini cakes, right? And I think that's cute because, like, we don't need a huge cake. It's just a family of four, right? So the guy at Foods of All Nations, shout out, uh, snags me a beautiful chocolate cake with gooey chocolate in the middle. Triple chocolate. You know, like, it looks decadent would be a word I would use to describe it. Sounds like you're describing a cupcake. No, it's not a cupcake. It's north of cupcake. Mini. It's way north of cupcake. It's way north of cupcake. It's like this big. Okay, big Describe cupcake. how big. This is the size of an anaconda. Anaconda? No, it's not the size of an anaconda. I'd say it's probably the size of a rattlesnake. A sizable rattlesnake circumference. It's definitely, there's nothing in here that you can compare it to. It's a big cake. It's not a, it's, it's not a big cake. Small cake. It's not a small cake. Oh, is, no, no, no. It's a small cake. No, it's a fucking three-person cake. And you have my two kids together. Three people? Yeah, it's a three-person cake. I've never seen a three-person cake. Do you mean a two-person cake? No, it's a three-person cake. Do you mean a four-person cake? <laughs> three-person cake? I'm just saying three people. Is it a triangle? Three people could eat this cake pretty easily. But anymore, you'd probably be full. Does that... You get the cake. You get the cake. Yeah. So got, the, the got your wife a cupcake for a birthday, and there's nothing wrong with that You don't even all. say I love you to your wife. Does she even know? I tell her I love you like like six times a year and every time, boy, does it, it, it just, it hits, you know? With you guys, <laughs> it, it's lost all its meaning. Oh, uh, well. You know and, what we say when we hang up? What? Bye. Can I make one call? Yeah. Hard to say I love you if she doesn't pick up. Hey. Hey, babe. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Hey, I just wanted to call and tell you I love you. Oh. I love you too. Just like we do every time we talk on the phone, because Macon and Kate, they never say it. Oh. That's weird. Yeah, that's... We say it all the time. Anyways, you're a great mom. I hear the kids in the background. I'll be home soon. I'm on the, I'm on the pod, huh? <laughs> I love you. You're an unpleasant person on the phone. Am I? Oh. With you or with everyone? I'm unpleasant in general because I'm scatterbrained and like all over the place. But I mean, talking to you, it's like uh, it's like calling a funeral home. I've How's, never called one. Actually, they're probably pretty cheerful. Probably not because on. they have to be. <laughs> they're, they're trying to cheer you up. No, nah. That's how, if I had a funeral home, I'd be like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> How can I help you? Somebody died. All righty. How do you want them buried? <laughs> want them cremated. So anyways, you're tough on the phone. But I got the wrong fucking cake. I'm great on the phone. You are tough on the phone, dude. Uh, appeal. You can de deny my appeal, but I'm appealing that. Okay, I'm denying the appeal. Here's Not that I have the power to deny it, but anybody listening who's talked to Megan on the phone definitely is bobbing their head right now. <laughs> so... <laughs> so anyways the cake which is the size of 
five to six inch wide cake. That's fair. Five, six inches wide. Okay, five. Yeah, 5.5. 5. <laughs> Something like that. Okay? It's a Brett Favre cake. <laughs> Good stuff. I think, man, to overcompensate for how small this cake is, I'm going to get, first off, I get the candles, which is to be congratulated. I actually remember the candles. I get the candles. I get the cake. I bring it home. It's in the fridge. It's time to light the cake. I put redacted amount of candles on this cake. And it's relatively crowded now. Okay? Yikes. Well, we're, we're in our 30s now. Okay? And ye, my wife looks 23. I got to get the proper amount of candles. Okay? Or I could have gone cute and gone one, but then it looks like a cupcake. <laughs> so I get redacted, tightly packed candles, and I light the thing and I'm getting ready to bring it over and it's on the, and it fucking, I got the candles that sparkle and the ones that relight themselves automatically. So now I got, I didn't even have to light redacted. I had to watch it as it billowed in smoke and flames. Good six to eight inches above the cake. Kids are looking around like, should we go somewhere? The fucking smoke detector, we're turning on the range hood which again is a clutch appliance. That's the only time a range hoods actually had to do something around my house. We talked oh. about this on one of the pods you weren't on, like best if you were an appliance, the best job. Um, you really probably should be venting things out more regularly. Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, supposedly we turned the range hood on, it helps soothe the baby. We used to use the range hood at our mm. old house. So this range hood though, I mean, jumped out of the gym to save the day, got the smoke out of there. But legitimately, I had to watch the fucking decadent chocolate cake burn for three to five minutes. Wow. I had to, I had to watch it burn. It was too dangerous to carry outside. I had a bucket of water ready to go, watching this thing burn down all the way down to the base and melted the top layer of the cake. Whaling came back in and said, what's that blue stuff? The wax. I mean, the thing is covered in blue wax. Now throw the fucking cake out. And here's the worst part. Meg's lovely sister, my lovely sister-in-law, sent a gorgeous ice cream cake earlier in the day. She cucked me. Yeah. Wow. In the mail, dude. I have, Which, a, I have a question. Yeah. Where was the bucket? Because you got to be on your toes Just in a, a situation I was over, like that. I was over. It was right next to me. It was right next to me. It was a the, cup. The fire was under control. It was north of a cup. Okay. The tweener. Well, at any point where you fire department might need to be. No, not at all. Had it under home. control. Okay. Had it under control, just like the birthday. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm a I'm a total fuck up, dude. So that's what you hear uh, in the Suez Canal. Dudes are celebrating. Dudes are hyped. Um, were those ever given dudes? Well, I think they were dudes. Uh, um, I think they were part of the let me the tugboat the tugboat operation. Okay, but tugged it out of there. Most important tug job in history. Have we ever given a thought to how we might reimagine maritime commerce? Because that was scary. I think we rethought it by digging canals well, well i guess there's another iteration of this because every time a ship gets stuck which doesn't happen a lot must have been a freak accident but a gust of wind how does it not happen all the time i'm just saying dude 
that is i love container ships you do little known fact about me you would live on one live on one what do you love about them you love looking at them or yeah 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 touring them yeah have you ever toured one no oh my god dude let's go to a container ship okay and do it to make some content you seeing your first container ship yeah i like hanging out like the north end of virginia beach mm-hmm. seeing them come in and out all day long mm-hmm. and i look at them through binoculars wonder what's in there sometimes drugs probably sometimes learn that on the wire all types of stuff is com- coming through there yeah explain to me what how did it get free i think there was some digging and then some higher tides i'm just happy it happened dude I, it was starting to stress me out a little bit those were not like tiny numbers i was oh. thinking about the ship that decided to turn around and go around the cape of good hope like six hours prior and then they're probably like frick <laughs> yeah we just decided exactly. to extend our trip by a month and the thing gets itself out because yeah you can't just like park the ship i i reckon you can but I, who Isn't, knows and there's no rest areas not but the one that the one that was like i just feel like sailing around the whole african right. continent today as a change up they were like stupid motherfuckers right i can't get back in line mm-hmm. there's a long ass line at the moment yeah well, I tweeted this. It was like Drew Brees um, in that old Sports Center commercial. That's a great commercial. It's a great commercial, uh, and it's the biggest, like it's the most aggressive version of that situation. The gate is too narrow. The canal is too narrow. Also, I fired off a tweet. Come to think of it, that I should have gone viral. I sometimes I think the people hate on my tweets, man. This should have gone viral. Bring the Bermuda Triangle to the Suez Canal. Yeah, I didn't get that one. Oh, Bermuda Triangle makes things disappear. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, glad the ship is free. Really am. I heard it was a lot of toilet paper, and then Cowboy Reed told me that uh, it was actually animals. Noah's Ark situation on that. Uh, well, I think there are a bunch of bunny rabbits behind them, I read somewhere. This is how we read these days. Millennials in 2021, we read uh, tweets and headlines. But I saw like back in the queue was a bunch of bunny rabbits on a, on a boat. Where were they headed? Mm-hmm. But toilet paper, what's your brand of toilet paper? You probably don't buy your own toilet paper. I don't. Not unless my lovely wife tells me to buy our toilet paper. And when she does, what brand does she tell you to get? Charmin probably. Now are you like an ultra soft or an ultra strong? Ultra soft. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not Cheryl Crowing it, okay? Remember... When we were in high school, she was like, I only wipe my butt with one square. Oh, dear. Was that a true thing, Reed? Have you ever heard that? I might have missed that because when you were in high school, I was you were like in elementary child. school. You were a um, child. But you I've were... done one square before, and it's not that bad. Square? You've done one square before, huh, Reed? Yeah, well, you just got to use all the... Squ- all you the... did one square, Reed? A square? You did a square once? Yeah, I did a square. It was wild. I bet it was wild to do yeah. one square, Reed. Deep in the woods. I didn't even know where I was. Reed playing? No. Oh, he knew exactly what I was putting down. <laughs> hey. Um, but yes, one toilet square. Paper. Yeah, and it's not as bad. You just got to use all the... Well, you have to make sure it's pretty clean coming out. Like, it's got to be a nice... This clean. is wild. This is the most cross-country skier thing you've ever told me, besides well, cross-country we, skiing to your, your workplace. When... This when we had to use one score. We had to ration the toilet paper because we were in South America. We were on a backpacking trip, and we were low on TP. 
So we would we didn't want to use all of it and not have any. Yeah, somebody would be walking around with mud, but I right. listen, you know the thing. I use the leaves. I use big jungle leaves. Macon, you've never Quilted Northern. That's what I use. Cheryl Crow's view on toilet paper. One sheet a visit. And that's listen, I'm all for people trying to save paper. I am all for it. But there are so many shitty magazines we could start with. Yeah? No. One place to splurge. Toilet paper, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. just want to drop a few uh, rules and regs for uh, the white boy summer. Okay, rule number one uh, to all my white boys out there. No plaid shirts, okay? I can't be looking like a picnic table out here, boys. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Leave that shits at home. The uh, vineyard vines and... You know, Ralph Lauren or whatever the fuck. Leave that shit at home. Uh, just put on a black tea, a white tea. You know what I mean? Keep it simple. Uh, rule number two, no Sperry topsiders. That's not the kind of white boys we're talking about, dog. Okay? Uh, get yourself some Vans, some some Jordans. I'm not really a sneakerhead, but, you know, feel it out. Uh, and uh, there'll be more rules coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No calling girls smoke shows. Okay, that that term is, uh, it's played out, dude. And you can't just see a hot chick and be like, dude, you see that fucking dude? It's a fucking smoke show, dude. Fucking smoke, dude. Okay, that's over with. Oh, yeah, and anything salmon-colored, wardrobe, burn it. Burn that shit. Don't ever wear that again. Chet Hanks, son of Tom Hanks, has declared white boy summer, and you just heard his rules for the white boy summer. Macon, what are your white boy summer rules? First off, that guy's definitely going to fight somebody on YouTube soon. Is it? I, uh... He's also, I call him Chet Hanks, Reed. I mean, he's just Chet Hanks. I want to give him his, I want to give him, he's owning it. He's owning his life. He's living it his way. I'm not familiar with his work. I liked that guy. You liked him? I liked that guy a lot. Really? That was yeah. not the thing. Because also, for one, it didn't seem like he would be up your alley. Agreed. And, and two, he was kind of just attacking you in a lot of ways. No doubt. No doubt about it. And a lot of it was fair. Look at, look at you taking coaching from Chet Hanks. I've really tried to, no offense, get out of the topsider game of okay. late. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, some of that picnic table looking, uh, Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm in, I'm in neutrals. I'm wearing a beanie. Yeah. Like I, I've evolved a bit. You have evolved a bit. You, you used to just be tiny little striped polos. Now, by the way, this, I reading his wiki, Chet Hayes, uh, Northwestern fraternity cat. All right. Uh-huh. So, oh yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. pot calling the kettle black pie. I ate a pie. Pie Kappa Alpha. I found this cat to be compelling, yeah, entertaining, uh. but I didn't agree with all his rules. So to counteract, I think I'd say that um, every ensemble you wear should include some salmon. Mm-hmm. I'm a big salmon fan. I like the, the color salmon. I would like for people to stop saying salmon. Nobody is. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're wrong. Like, this is one that you're absolutely wrong on. Beanie Boy Summer, all right? Got a few more for you. Okay. Hydration. Everybody's very hydrated. I'm on board. 
Uh, yoga. I'm, I'm going to integrate yoga into Beanie Boy Summer. Everybody, we're doing yoga. We're yeah. being hydrated. Yeah. Here's another sobriety. Let's mm. get rid of the vices. And every ensemble has a. Uh, you've been turning down beers for months now. Has a flare of salmon. How did you think that that went Saturday? By the way, you just turning down beers. Here's what you coming over did to me. I drank like six beers, and then I was like, oh, I kind of give up, like because Macon didn't drink, and he just left, and now I'm stuck at home with like a very mild buzz and no friends. Make you reevaluate anything? Or? Yeah, I don't drink much anymore. But I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> and you only asked me, I don't know, seven or eight times, which is good. If you want a beer. Down from the usual 17 to 18. If you want a beer. And uh, yeah. Turns, well, out, turns out you don't want a beer. I, I would, can I add a couple of these? Please. No dabbing. No dabbing. Okay, is that still around? Uh, maybe. I've, listen, it's been people white kids have been pent up in their homes for a oh, while. Oh, you're going back to white boy summer. Okay. Yeah, white boy summer. I was just okay. more of a take on white boy summer. I, I Like, there's been a lot of white boys cooped up. And right before this whole pandemic, you used to watch the Jumbotron. Every professional sports game, there was a white kid dabbing. Mm. Our friend Big Cat does a lot of this. Yeah, ironically. But is there unironic dabbing? Oh, there's still a lot of unironic dabbing, I feel like. I feel like... It's one of those things that you think it's dead, like a terror cell, and it's not. Like you really need to cut the head off the snake here. The body will die, okay? Okay. Uh, no more dabbing, less trulies. You, you don't drink, but have you seen these trulies? No. Shout out to you know Cochran and, and, and Ben James and those guys, but, and Kenny and Anthony and those guys. Stick. Twan. I think I'm, I never was on the truly train, maybe less truly's. No more grabbing lunch with dudes you don't know, like, or people you don't know. Lunch is such a white guy thing. Hey, you wanna grab lunch, man? Like, first time you meet. You know what I mean? I know we've talked about lunches, and I'm just using this as an opportunity to rail on lunches, but no more unexpected lunches. 97% of unexpected lunches are perpetuated by white men. Does white boy summer ACLU I, stats? I, that's where I got it. I mean this sincerely. Does white boy summer truly only apply to white people? Because that feels exclusive. I'm taking it as like he was coaching white boys. Okay. And I listen. <laughs> I did Chet. I didn't make Chet the mascot, but evidently Chet's the mascot. <laughs> Chet's so, our spokesperson. Yeah, so Chet's the spokesperson. Those are my white boy summer rules. Chin straps gotta go. Chet might be perpetuating that. Did he have a chin strap? You're talking about the facial hair? Yep. Didn't Maybe even know so. what to call it a minute ago. Yep. Maybe so. Called it, called it a uh, neck beard. It's, it's a chin strap. For you to rock a chin strap, you got to be 280 plus. You got to be an O-lineman, preferably an SEC O-lineman, like speaking a Georgia Bulldog. Speaking of SEC, speaking of the A block of this show, let's, uh, let's wear shorter, slightly tighter shorts. Yeah, that'd be good if they would do that. Just generally, but uh, you there's know. a guy from Memphis supposedly that wore short shorts, and everybody freaked out about it in the last couple of years. Tall gentleman, doesn't narrow it down, but uh, I think people were just really making fun of him and giving him a good ribbing about it because you could almost see his balls. But <laughs> like literally, 
a good idea now to wear short shorts. Yeah, and I'm no I'm one's just, gonna want to be that guy. But when we're out in the world, and by yeah. the way, I don't know that it hit the guy's shorts. When it we're did. out in the world, let's just let's wear shorter, tighter shorts. That all that all all that shit led to was like uh, the kid that looked like uh, Chris Cornell, God rest his soul, taking an ill-advised fade away on the baseline. So it was like we sat there for five minutes looking at dude's shorts, and it, it resulted in just a shitty possession. But it could have been a. a it, Bang Man, from it, way downtown, Crimson Tide. It also, three exactly, but it also would have been a nice thing to be like, I lost that money because of the shorts. No, well, I lost that money because I'm stupid. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it was because of the shorts. Okay, no one will remember the ensuing possession like you. Kane drops it back for Jasper Weatherby. Weatherby takes the shot. It's turned aside. Held in at the points by Clevin. And now here comes Minnesota Duluth. They bring it on in. That was unbelievable, dude. Those people had been playing hockey for six hours. Not really. <laughs> yes. The game was like six hours long. I guess an overtime is a full period, huh? In hockey? Yeah, I mean, in actuality, the game was like, you know, five overtimes. So you add that to, what, 60 minutes? 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 plus 60, 160, almost three hours. But yeah, five overtimes, luckily, real nice of them because it was in our group text at like one in the morning i'm getting ready to go to bed i think it was like 12 40 actually 12 32 winning goal am um group text guys check out this this hockey game it's been on since i don't know 10 o'clock or something and uh somebody scored beginning of the fifth and i i guess you they needed two empty netters to tie to go to overtime might be when I get time, I'm gonna watch all six hours. Might be the greatest sporting event of the year, the young year. The goal came at 142 minutes and 13 seconds. Unbelievable. Um, what's the most tired you've been doing something athletic making? The first run of the night in a pickup hoops game. It doesn't matter if you're in shape or out of shape. You're gonna be tired. Throat burning. If you're like me, you're at an elementary school you got eight guys in line at the dribbliest water fountain you've ever seen in your life and just sucking wind. First run of the night, always the worst. Next, Pwok City, Utah, mountain biking. Yeah. Almost yeah. died. Yeah, you did. Almost, almost died in Utah. Ruth Chris, Ruth Chris, Ruth Chris, Pwok City. Good afternoon. Pwok City. <laughs> Is that Roos Chris in Park City? There has to be. Let's call them. Let's call them and see if they say it. Let's call them and see what. Let's call them and see if they get Roos Chris right. Excuse me. Who am I? Where am I calling? Like ask them a couple times, maybe. Okay. See if they. And just you'll be see, shocked to learn that there is one. Just yeah. Well, they got a lot of money there. Find out if it's a, if there's an S, if you're expected to say the S. Oh, Park City, Mountain Time. It's like 2.30. Set open. The bar is probably open. The biggest alcoholics in Park City. Hello. Thank you for calling Roos Chris Steakhouse in Park City, Utah. How does he say that? We're open for dine-in and carry-out from 5 to 9 p.m. daily. Reservations are available online at roosechris.com or on opentable.com. If you need Roos. assistance making a reservation or have other inquiries, 
please leave a detailed message and we will respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for your continued support. We look forward to seeing you soon. I'm not supporting you guys. I just want a fucking steak. So he gets away with saying Roos. Roos. You just dropped the TH. Roos. Roos. I bet you it's their first meeting at corporate. They're like, guys, I know it's spelled T H S, but we're just gonna spell it like Michael Roos. R O O S Roos Chris. Cheat, dude. They cheat. Anyways, you were saying mountain biking. Yeah, almost died. Very tired. I think that's about it. Pick up hoops and mountain bike riding in Utah. I just want to take this time to remind people that the altitude in uh, Laramie, Wyoming is not to be fucked with. Oh my goodness. I did not believe in elevation until Park City. That's a real deal. Dude, imagine doing 93 plays. We picked the worst game to be just suck. Y'all were... Booty. Butt cheeks. Yeah. This was my senior year. First game. We fly out to Wyoming. Al Jeezy got us on a plane a couple days early getting acclimated you know i'm just (laughs) i'm out there and i'm watching guys run around like they're in slow motion like literally running in sand people are melting on the field final score wyoming 23 virginia 3 the 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 altitude let me see if i can remember it is it is it sub 8,000, 7,500 something? It's a full mile and a half. You know when they say mile high stadium? 7,165. Get on a fucking helicopter and go another mile or half mile up in the air and then play a football game. I mean like, or just pick another mountain that's higher would be easier. But like we played, it was 100 degrees on the turf that day. Cedric Pierman, your leading rusher with 18 yards. That's right. Staten Job, your leading receiver with 27 yards for the Cavaliers. There were a bunch of ranch hands kicking our fucking asses, dude. Kicking our asses. And the craziest thing is, well, you come home and your bridge, we got a bridge around here, that's painted, yeah. saying that your coach needs to be fired. And then you go and reel off like a million straight wins, Cardiac which cool. Cavs, dude, that was a fun year. I will say this. The odds are like minus 300 that there's a dude on that Wyoming football team uh, that currently supplies beef for Park, Park City, Roos Chris. Chris Long, two sacks. Oh, yeah, I played well, dude. Seven tackles, two sacks. Wow. Yeah, dude, I was in good shape. So you're saying it was your teammates? Yeah, I'm throwing them under the bus, dude. That was not me that day. <laughs> and they would all agree. I remember looking at people at halftime, bro. And I was tired as fuck. I just put it as the most tired I've ever been. Like, I came in thinking I'm He-Man, and I was humbled, but played well. Listen, the, the thing about ranch hands is they're not going to get tired when you're kicking their ass in pass rush, <laughs> but they're still ranch hands. Uh, I just want to know, does yeah. anybody on that team supply beef for, for uh, Roos Chris? 27 first downs to five. Dude, we had five first downs, bro. Five first downs. Beep Gold hits a 42-yard field goal with no time remaining in the second quarter to make it 10 to three. Yep, that's it. Who's wouldn't score again? That's it, dude. Uh, Didn't even, I don't even know that I, I think I got like a different level of blackout when I got home from that game. (laughs) Cause you're just, your body is like, what just happened? Prince William was declared the sexiest bald man of 2021. Do you guys have a sexiest bald man list? Yeah. Stanford Steve. Prince William. 
That's a good one by you. I mean, clearly Prince William is ugly. Okay, con. Um, most of my life, that's not true. Half of my life, people said, wow, you look a lot like Prince William. So, Hold on a second, really? Yeah, if you go to- Is it a, a lot like my Michael Fassbender thing? You, well, you just called the guy ugly. So why would well, I, I don't be, think you why would like, I be bragging? I don't, th- I don't think you look like uh, do Prince young, William. Do young Prince William. Well, I'm not saying he, I'm not, dude, I'm not like literally, I don't like calling. Listen, when he was young, dude, this guy. I mean, that's, that's me so in high school. So you think you look like young Prince William? Uh, everybody in the world did. I'm not saying, yeah, I mean, I look like him more than I look like most people. Look at that. That's, that's me in high school. The, the, so I take offense to you calling him ugly now. Well, because guess what? I'm I'm not gaining more hair on my head. I don't know, man. I think I think he also the 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 royal family hadn't gotten to him yet. It hadn't aged him. He's living a hard life. You're slinging single family homes and dropping dimes on the mic. Dalai Lama, sexy as hell. James Carville. Nice. Did you say? How do you say his name? Carville. Carville? Yeah. I mean, I mean, holy shit, shoot me. I mean, the guy's on once a year to scream about politics, and you're like, oh, what the fuck's going on there? But he's actually um, not sexy. That's the reason he's on the list. Because a lot of people were saying that, like, hey, Prince William is not sexy, objectively. Monarchies aren't sexy to you? They're not having the greatest moment at the moment. What do you mean? Oh, I, I love the royal family. Not so much the racism, more so the fictional period pieces. That's right. Vin Diesel. Uh, no. That's the joke. Now, Have you seen him in 2021? No. It's just jarring. Like, he, my, my man, I, I, he just doesn't look like Vin Diesel in 2010. And I'm not talking, here's an interesting thing about Vin Diesel. Did you know he had hair at one point? Well, I assumed. No, I'm talking about like he was in movies with hair. First off, the guys po- pointed out that he was in Saving Private Ryan, uh, and I forgot he was in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, wow. But Getting rid of that hair was a good move. What, did you see him in Find Me Guilty in 2006? I just did Vin Diesel with hair. I'm just saying, his career could have gone two separate directions, and look at him in Find Me Guilty. He's a very compelling, like, uh mob movie character in my opinion with the with the head of hair but just by bicking his shit because he's regrown it i think i think he made this decision it was a great business decision there's no way harry vin diesel is starring in fast and furious agreed he could be as jacked as he wanted he had good lettuce if he had lettuce it's just not the vibe they were going for so it was a great business decision larry david ld Oh, good, 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 good. Big sex. Terry Bradshaw, underrated sex. I can't even say it like that. No. Ter- Terry Bradshaw. I Terry Bradshaw's <laughs> sitting next to Howie Long. That's the problem. Yeah. Look at Terry Bradshaw back in one of his like cigarette commercials in the seventies. I feel like he was just in some like a product you would never endorse anymore more as a pro athlete. I feel like that. Like like um Earl Campbell's skull commercial. That skull, brother. I can't picture Terry with anything but a comb over. I mean, did he ever have a, like even at La Tech, you can see it's it's going and it's going in a hurry. I just felt like shouting him out. Here, oh, here he is in a uh, in a pizza rolls ad, dude. 
he did pizza rolls ads at one point. Now you know him from Nutrisystem, but uh, he was doing supermarket uh, ads and shit back in the day. And he he was a bald sex symbol because he embraced it and he didn't just like bick the entire thing. He grew the entire like mullet with the, the sunroof. That, that's such a power move and it should be mentioned. And also the perfect haircut for Pittsburgh, I feel like in the uh, 70s and 80s or 70s. And he's held on to his horseshoe. Yeah, no, I love it. But he used to let the, he used to have hang time. On that note, uh, it's time to go home to our families, who we love. Mako might not say it all the time. It's implied, you know. I show it. I don't need to say it. So check us out uh, Friday. We're gonna pick a baseball team. Also, we got some big news about something that's going down before the uh, NFL draft on this podcast. Damn, I don't have my whistle in me. Yeah, big time, big time. Hey, Chris, I love you. I love you too, man. I do. I thought I got no problem telling my brother I love him, man. I love you, man. Thanks, man. God, we might as well love each other, man. We spend so much fucking time in here just making bomb content. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Let's remember this moment. Yeah. When we're in lower moments. For sure. Yeah. No matter how much I might future hate you, I will always love you. In this moment. No, always, let's make no matter a, let's what. Let's make an NFT of this moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-fungible. Yeah. So they can't take it away. Yeah. When you like one day just are fed up and quit the podcast, I'll just yeah. fucking stare at my trading card. Yeah, we could do like an Air 5, Yeah. and that'll be our loop. People are going to play this back in 2026 when you become too 26. tired of this. 26? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See y'all. I'm gonna fight you with my friends